We are in the middle of a four-week series on family, and one aspect of, of family, some families, is, is marriage, and it is the fall wedding season. I love weddings. As a pastor, one of my greatest joys, honestly, is to officiate weddings. I love outdoor weddings in the fall. I have a very special one uh, in a couple weeks that I'm very excited about. Uh, for anybody that is getting married outdoors, prayers that it's a little bit nicer weather than we had this morning. <laughs> Always rolling the dice with the outside wedding in the fall. But man, if it's a beautiful fall day, there is nothing, nothing better than being outside in God's creation in the fall. As a pastor, as an officiant, I, I, I get the chance to just look at a husband and a wife as they are preparing to make their vows to each other. And in the beginning of a ceremony, I will ask the bride and then the groom this very, very important question. I will say, will you love this other person? Will you love this other person and forsaking all others, be faithful to them as long as you both shall live? Now, if you are married, you were pro if you've ever been married, you have probably been asked this question, do you remember being asked this question by the officiant at your wedding ceremony? A lot of people don't. My, I, I was married to, to Aaron nine years ago, and that time period was a blur to me. The whole the ceremony, the whole day was an absolute blur. Pastor Chris Whitehead married us. I, I can't remember a word he said. Because I was, my head was just spinning all day. I don't even remember asking the question. I don't remember answering that question. I hope I did. I hope I did. Did I? Was it in the affirmative, right? We're here, so we got... We did it. The, 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 if you don't remember that, like I didn't remember that, and if you've ever been to a wedding, you've heard that before, regardless of if you're married or not. The, the appropriate response to that question... Will you love this person and forsaking all others, be faithful to them as long as you both shall live? The appropriate answer to that question is not the typical wedding ceremony, I do. That's not the proper response to that question. The proper response to that question is, I will. I will. And I know you know the difference. It is very easy during a wedding ceremony to say, I do. Because in this moment, of course, I'm in love with this other person. Of course, for the next 24 hours, I will remain faithful. Saying I will is a much deeper commitment, isn't it? I will love you at the end of today and at the end of tomorrow and at the end of next week and next month and for the next 80 years of our lives. I will, I will, I will be faithful to you. Today, we are talking about faithfulness, not necessarily in the context of a husband and wife, but our faithfulness to God and God's faithfulness to us. And the parallel between those two things is very, very stark. Now, if you were with us last week, we're going to pick up right where we left off. We are in chapter 24 of the book of Joshua. If you would like to follow along and you have your Bible app or a physical Bible, Joshua is the sixth book of the Bible, and we are in chapter 24. 
Again, this is at the end of Joshua's life. So this is Joshua's final speech to the entire people of Israel. This is his last will and testament. This, this is his last desire for the people he has spent the last 110 years with. Here's what Joshua says. We're just looking at two verses today, verses 14 and 15. And we're going to go deep. Here's what Joshua says. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day who you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. 3,600 years ago, this people group called the Israelites were literally starting a brand new civilization that still exists to this day. It started 3,600 years ago. And one of the last things that Joshua tells these people, one of the last pieces of advice that he can give this people group who are starting a brand new civilization is this, make a choice. Make a choice between God or not God. You got to make a choice between the capital G, real living God, or the lowercase g, false gods made of stone or made of wood. Because you can't do both. You can't do both. Any more than in a marriage, you can be faithful to your spouse and faithful to somebody else. And so today, what does that word mean to you? Faith. What does it mean for you in your life to be faithful? We're going to dive deep into just these two verses today. Verse 14 starts off by this, Now fear the Lord. Now fear the Lord. We talked about this last week. If you were with us, powerful message. I invite you, if you missed it, to go back and check it out on our website or on our app. Last week, we got to be very careful. We said that fearing God is not like fearing things on this earth. We don't like to be afraid. We don't like to worry. In fact, God's word says, do not be afraid. Do not worry hundreds of times. We are not supposed to worry if we do fear one thing, and that's God. Fearing things on this earth is completely the opposite of fear of God. And again, we talked about that all last week. In fact, earthly fear, Pastor Chris called it this, it's the, it's the great immobilizer. Think about all the things you fear in your life. Is it one thing? Is it five things? Is it 50 things that worry you on a daily basis? What are you worried about? That fear, that worry, freezes you. I think about it. It prevents you from doing what God is calling you to do. It prevents you from fulfilling your potential. Have you ever heard this really, really good question? What could you accomplish if fear weren't a factor? If a magic genie could snap his fingers and magically take away all the fear and the worry in your life, 
what could you accomplish? Isn't that an interesting question? You know why that question exists? Because fear is a factor. Because fear is a factor that is preventing you and me from fulfilling our God-given potential. Oh, fear causes us to not do and to do a lot of things. Fear caused Peter to deny Jesus three times. Fear caused the Israelites to wander in the desert for 40 years. Fear caused the Israelite army to stop as soon as they ran up against a giant named Goliath. And fear is the opposite of faith. If Peter would have had faith, my goodness, he would not have denied Jesus three times, would he have? If the Israelites would have had faith, they would not have had to have wandered in the desert for 40 years. That trip should have taken them about four weeks, not 40 years. The Israelites, had they had faith in God, would not have stopped when they came across a giant. They certainly would not have sent out a little boy to be killed by that giant. Spoiler, that little boy wasn't killed by that giant because he had faith. And on the note of David and Goliath, this is one of those really interesting, really wonderful, really well-known stories, even in our pop culture, that we usually are invited to insert ourselves into, right? I've heard a lot of sermons on David and Goliath, and usually at the end, the pastor will invite you to, you know, put yourself in that story because you are David. You are David, now go slay your Goliaths. I don't like that. Because you're not David. I'm not David. And it's okay that you're not David because you are you. And God gifted you specifically for the time and place you live in right now. You're not David. You don't want to be David. By the way, David's not the one who slew Goliath. Who slew Goliath? God did. That's right. That's right. Who tore down the walls of Jericho? Oh, I just want to hear it. God did, right? Who ripped apart the Red Sea and, by the way, the Jordan River as well? Who did? God did. Yes, he did. That's faith. That's faith. Knowing that I can't rip down the walls of Jericho or slay Goliath, but I know my God can. That's faith. Faith is the opposite of fear, which means that fear is the opposite of faith. I have to look at myself in the mirror this week and tell myself that fear is the opposite of faith. I don't know what that means for your life, but somebody and multiple people probably today need to hear that statement and ask themselves the question, what am I afraid of right now? What is consuming me with worry right now? And how can I have more faith in my God? who can slay giants and tear down mountains. Let's let Joshua continue. Joshua says, serve God with all faith. Serve God with all faithfulness. Now this is starting to sound more like a wedding ceremony, isn't it? Huh. When we come to God, when we become believers in Jesus Christ and in his sacrifice on the cross, do you promise to love him? 
and forsaking all others, promise to, to, to have faith in him as long as you shall live. Now, we've got to be very, very careful when we make a commitment to God, when we can make a commitment to Jesus Christ via God. We have to be very careful because so many people say, I do instead of I will. So many of us say, I do, instead of I will. But the proper response to the faith that God has for us is, I will love you. I will forsake all other temptations in order to be faithful to you as long as I am on this planet. And by the way, for all of eternity. But what Joshua is inviting us into is this fact. It's a choice. Being faithful to God is a choice that you and I get to make. God gave us the gift of free will. And we get to choose whether we are faithful to our creator and our father or whether we are not. We get to make that choice just like the Israelites had the same choice 3,600 years ago. Now Joshua says this. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped. We talked about this last week too. If there is a false god in your life, if there is something that is tempting you away from God, away from your spouse, away from your family, away from the commitments that you have made on this earth, if there is something tempting you away, what do you do with that temptation? Keep it on the shelf just in case. That's what we do, though. That's what we do, though, right? It's what the Israelites did 3,600 years ago. It's not that they were outright abandoning God. The Israelites, if you know their history, they just wanted it both ways. They figure, hey, if we pray to God for an end to a famine, why not cover all of our bases and pray to Baal too? Why not pray to the God of the Amorites just in case God isn't real? Is that faithfulness? No. You know it. You know it's not faithfulness. So why do we keep around false idols on our shelf just in case? I don't know what that means for you, but you do. What is that false idol in your life that is tempting you away from your God? I think that's why Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 16, no one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. You have probably heard Jesus say this, but have you internalized it? Do you live it out? Nobody can serve two masters. I like the first two words in that sentence, no one. We have a head knowledge that nobody can serve two masters. If you've been a Christian for a while, you've probably heard this. But sometimes it's our human nature to say, I can. I, I know nobody else can, and I know not many people can serve two masters, but, but I can. I can get away with it. No, 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 friends. This narrative beat is found throughout God's word who do you serve? And really the question, Christians especially, that we have to ask ourselves is who 
do we serve? And if you want to look in the mirror later on this afternoon and just ask yourself, who, who or what am I actually serving? You would be very well served to do that. Now, I love the boldness of the early church. And Paul one time wrote a letter to the church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul writes this. This then, he writes, is how you ought to regard us. By us, he means the, the, the group of missionaries out of Jerusalem. So my friends in Corinth, this is how you should regard us, servants of Christ. That's how Paul wanted to be known, as a servant of Christ. And as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed, now... It is required, it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove. Faithful Christians, we've been given a trust. The power of the Holy Spirit lives in us by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection. What Paul writes is that is it a requirement that we must be proven faithful. If you look in the mirror later on today, are you one who is proven faithful in all of your dealings with humans? Can you safely say that you are proven faithful in your relationship with God? Can you? Can you? The foundation of a marriage is a husband and a wife and a faithful commitment to each other. That's what a marriage is. That's what we stand on. If that breaks down, the marriage breaks down. The foundation, not of a marriage, but of our life, the foundation of our existence is my relationship with my creator. Both parties being faithful. That is the foundation of our existence. It is the foundation of our joy and our hope and our peace. Me and God being faithful to each other. Let's talk about those two parties for one second. Let's talk about God. Let's start easy. Is God faithful? Yes. Let me ask that one more time. Is God faithful? Yes. Yes, yes he is. Yes, he is. He proves it time and time again. There is no evidence in the history of mankind that God has ever proven unfaithful. Just the opposite. Deuteronomy 7.9 says, He is the faithful God, keeping His covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love Him and keep His commandments. That's who God is. So if the foundation of our existence is us and God in a faithful, committed relationship, we don't got to worry about God. Who do we have to worry about? Me. <laughs> when I look in the mirror, I'm the one I've got to worry about in my relationship with my Father. Now, how about you? Could you write a letter to your friends like Paul wrote a letter to his friends 2,000 years ago and identify yourself as a faithful servant of Christ? 
Are we faithful? Now, now, please understand, being faithful to your creator doesn't mean you've got to be perfect. You will not be perfect. Being faithful doesn't mean that we don't struggle or we don't make poor decisions. What faith does mean is that we will continue to trust God and follow his commands. Even when life gets rough. What faithfulness means is that we will continue to trust God and follow His commands even when life gets rough. Am I faithful to God? Am I faithful to God? Few things in life are as devastating as unfaithfulness. In a marriage, first and foremost. But, but in friendship, in dealings with family, in dealings with even your workplace and business partners, unfaithfulness is absolutely devastating. Some of you and many of you have been the victim, have been the victim of unfaithfulness. It is devastating to you. And if you've been the victim of unfaithfulness, I am so sorry that you had to experience that. It's devastating when somebody is unfaithful to you. How often do we reflect on how our unfaithfulness affects God? Do, 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 you, do you think God is affected by our unfaithfulness to Him? Do you think it's devastating to our God? I think it is. I think it breaks His heart. How often do we reflect on that? Maybe that's why Solomon in Proverbs chapter 3 says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Do whatever you have to do to let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind it around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your hearts. I, I want to start, as we start to close, making this very, very practical for us. What does it actually mean to be faithful? What does it mean? What are the parameters? What are the boundaries of being faithful? What would it mean if I were actually faithful? What would I have to do? What would I have to believe? Because during a wedding ceremony, we lay it out pretty plainly. What does it mean for a husband and wife to be faithful to each other? It means for better or for worse. What does that mean? It, whether, whether it's good times or whether it's bad times, the foundation of our marriage is our faith to each other. For richer or for poorer, underline poorer. That's an old Simpsons joke from literally 30 years ago. I'm sorry, nobody gets that. Why do I do that? I don't know. I don't know. For rich or for poor, very seriously, what that means is I don't care if we're, we're in good financial shape or we are in bad financial shape. Bad finances, by the way, are a huge cause for divorce. And yet we promise for richer or for poorer. We promise in sickness and in health to remain faithful to each other. And the statistics on how many spouses leave each other when our health becomes poor is staggering and it is depressing. But we made a promise that we would be faithful in good health and in poor health. 
We lay out the parameters of faithfulness during wedding ceremonies. We know exactly what it looks like to be faithful. Along the same lines, at Charter Oak Church, we want to lay out exactly what it means to be faithful to God. We lay out exactly what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and what we call our six marks of discipleship. So if you ever forget what it means to be faithful to God, this is something that we can go back to and we talk about it often. What it means to be faithful to God is to be devoted worshipers. What that means is, hey, be here with us on Sunday morning and not just on Sunday morning, but let's worship God all throughout the week. We want to be humble servants. Serve with your church family. We want to be generous stewards. Give a portion of what God has given you back to the work of God. We want to be community builders. We want to build the community of Christ by being in a small group. We want to be deployed missionaries to go wherever God sends us. And we want to be disciple makers by sharing our faith with those who don't yet know Jesus. If you're new with us, that's a lot. That's a lot. But here's the thing about faithfulness. Unless you define what it looks like, it is very hard to be faithful. Here's the thing about faithfulness. Unless you define what it looks like to be faithful, it's very hard to be faithful. And so Joshua outlined what it means to be faithful. Have a healthy biblical fear of God. Throw away false gods. And choose who you will serve. And we will get to that next week. And so with any faithful commitment, it's not I do, it's I will. It's not I do, it's I will. And again, as we start to close today, what that is called is perseverance. There is no faith without perseverance. There is no faith without perseverance. We've been studying Joshua at the end of his life, but Paul, the Apostle Paul, at the end of his life, wrote this in 2 Timothy chapter 4. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And I love that. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I, has ke I have kept the faith. Isn't that your dream to say that, to be able to say that at the end of your life? I have kept the faith. Along the same lines, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus, he tells a parable about a master who was very, very wealthy, a master who had all the gifts in the world and who entrusted those gifts to his servants. Two of those three servants went out and used those gifts very well and multiplied the master's riches. The master, when he returned looked at those faithful servants and very famously said, well done, my good and faithful servants. To the ones who used their gifts well, who demonstrated perseverance, who kept the faith, the master, God, by the way, said, well done, my good and faithful servants. 
I want to be very real for just one minute. I want to be very real with you for just one minute. Not only do pastors have the great joy of presiding over uh, wedding ceremonies, we also have the, the, the pleasure and the joy of presiding over funerals. And so many people want to hear those words at a funeral. Well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what you want to hear, right? That's what you want to hear about your loved ones, right? Can I say something that may sound hard, but it's because I love you. Far fewer people are willing to do what it takes to hear those words than actually want to hear those words. What would it take for our master to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, when we arrive before the throne? My friends, it's a choice for us. You've got to realize that our, our faith is a choice. It's not an hour on Sunday mornings. It's not a building. It's not a place. It is a choice that we make every day, not just Sunday mornings. I wonder what it would look like if we Christians announced out loud when we woke up every morning, God, today I'm going to serve you. Just say it out loud. God, today I'm going to serve you to the best of my ability all day. If you wouldn't be willing to do that, why not? If you wouldn't be willing to do that, I, I, I guess maybe we have the same offer that Joshua posed 3,600 years ago. If we're not going to serve God, why don't we in the morning before we get out of bed just announce who we are going to serve? God, today I know I'm not going to serve you. I'm going to feed that temptation that I know I can't avoid. Why don't we just say that out loud? Bring some clarity to our lives. We don't want to do that. Christians, that's not the point. The point for us Christians is to say to God every morning, I recommit to you. I am going to be faithful to you. Christians, please don't be I do Christians. Let's be I will Christians. I'll remain faithful to God today, tomorrow, next week, next month, and for the next 80 years of our lives until we meet God face to face. Let's pray. Father God, it is our great joy to serve you. Father God, it is our great joy to be reminded that this faith of ours is a commitment. It's a relationship. It's not a Sunday morning thing. It's a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday and a Friday and a Saturday thing. Father God, help us to remember that. Help us to take ownership of our faith and to take it very, very seriously. We do love you so much, Lord God, in this moment. It's easy after hearing a message, it's easy after hearing the incredible worship music to say, I do. Father God, today we say, I will. And it is in your precious son, Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen.